I'm really excited um, to take you guys into like a little deep dive of my brain, um, which will be either really exciting for you or incredibly scary, one of the two. So um, <laughs> I'm going to start by telling a story about my childhood. Um, I actually have a picture of me as a child that I wanted to show you guys. Um, maybe. We'll see. It's, I think it's a cute picture. It's coming. Um, <laughs> it's little me by a Christmas tree. Um, this was in the farmhouse that I grew up in. And I grew up on a farm in North Dakota. And yeah, woo! Thank you, Megan. Wow. The Megans love me tonight. I love this. Um, so I grew up in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere in North Dakota. Um, there's absolutely nothing to be seen from this farm that, that I grew up on. And when I was little, I loved to play outside. I still love to be outside. And one time when I was outside, I was about two or three years old, and I found some kittens in the barn. And I was, yeah, I was excited. I got to play with these kittens. I went inside, and I told my dad about them. And my dad was like, we don't have a cat. And so he went to the barn, and turns out I was playing with some baby raccoons. <laughs> I, I loved growing up on the farm. It was a wild experience. But I want to tell you guys about a time that my parents love to tell this story. So this is an embarrassing story for me, but not really. Um, but my parents love to tell this story of how I went to play outside one day. I went to play outside in front of the house, and it was spring. And my dad, like, got me all bundled up because it was still cold out and the snow had just melted. Like, guys, the snow's going to melt. Don't worry. It's coming in six months. We'll be fine. Um, so the snow had melted, and I was ready to play outside. Like, I had been just so excited to go outside. And I go outside, and my dad's like, I'll be outside in a few minutes. Just stay in the front yard. The good listener that I am saw this really intriguing mud puddle that was across the road in a field. So little two-year-old me goes, like, traipsing down the road, across, like, this is a road that, like, tractors drive on, like, you know, it's busy for farm, I guess, um, <laughs> but I, like, drive, and I, not, I don't drive, that was the wrong thing to say, I walk, <laughs> I walk, and I get into this mud puddle, and I'm, like, all stuck in this puddle, and I, I'm stuck, stuck, and I can't get out, and I know that this is a bad situation, and my dad comes outside, and he's, like, what are you doing? Like, I'm stuck, Dad. And he, <laughs> he like, tries to coax me out of the mud because I had gotten far enough into it that he couldn't just, like, reach me. He was going to have to climb in with me. And I just wouldn't, I wouldn't move. I was like, no, I'm stuck. I can't do it. He's like, you can do it. Just crawl over here. It'll be okay. And I remember telling him, this is like one of my very first childhood memories. I remember telling him, Dad, I can't get my hands dirty. And I am covered in mud from head to toe. Like my hands were probably dirty, but I couldn't get my hands dirty. I was just stuck. So my dad had to come into the mud and rescue me. And he brings me back to the yard and he hoses me off with this nice cold hose water. That was really kind of him. And... <laughs> And he said, go see your mom. 
Like, he just could not handle it. And I did not go see my mom. I went straight inside and started my very first bath by myself. Um, (laughs) I was a rebellious child. And I think that rebellion is something that has been inside of me and inside of each and every one of us since the very beginning. And I think that if you would have asked two-year-old me if I thought I was doing something wrong before I did it, I would have said no. I would have said no, that mud puddle looks like so much fun, there's no way that's going to be wrong. But I was doing something wrong. And I can assure you that my two-year-old self had good logic as to why I disregarded my dad's instructions. And I think we do this with God. I think many of us hear God's voice and know his commands, but we choose to live in rebellion to our Heavenly Father. So tonight, we're going to talk about what it looks like to live in reverence to God versus a rebellion towards God. So let's turn to Psalm 2. Psalm 2, and we're going to read verses 10 through 12. I'm going to take a little water break. My mouth is dry. Erin inspires me because she has her comfort water bottle, and I decided to bring mine up here tonight. (laughs) Okay, Psalm 2, verses 10 through 12. So now, kings, be wise. Receive instruction, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverential awe and rejoice with trembling. Pay homage to the sun, or he will be angry, and you will perish in your rebellion, for his anger may ignite at any moment. All who take refuge in him are happy. There's a lot in those few verses. So we're going to go through them and really study them, because there's so much packed in here. But we're going to start with verse 11, where it, it talks about reverential awe. What does it mean to serve the Lord with reverential awe? Well, I think it's important for us to define what that even is. So reverential means to be characterized by reverence. So when we look at the definition of reverence, it says to have a deep respect for someone or something. And then when we look at the definition of awe, it says that we would have a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear or wonder. So when we put those two things together, it can be incredibly powerful because the word awe is defined by the word reverential. And in this passage, it uses reverential to define awe. So it's like this double reverence for God. And when we put it together, we would define it as to have a deep respect for someone or something with a feeling of deep respect for someone or something mixed with fear or wonder. So it shows us that this type of respect for the Lord is not simply an acknowledgement of God, but a deep, deep respect combined with fear and wonder. So this verse is incredibly powerful and really wants us to get the fact that we should have an almost like this unimaginable respect for God as we serve him. Now that we have this definition of reverential awe, let's talk about the next part of this verse where it says rejoice with trembling. When I read that, it sounded almost contradictory. Like I was supposed to be really, really joyful, but also really, really scared. But that's not 
quite what it's talking about. And as I was doing a little research, and I read through some different Bible commentaries, I read this. It said, with trembling is added to this verse to signify the quality of the joy to which he calls them and to distinguish it from that of worldly rejoicing, which is usually attended with security and presumption. So to rejoice with trembling is to be so excited that like people are like, there's something wrong with you. Like you are way too excited about this. That you're not of the world in the terms of your excitement. And this reminds me of something else from my childhood. I just want to tell you all about my growing up tonight. Um, so how many of you guys have seen the movie Despicable Me? Yes, right? Like most, if not all of us, have seen that movie. And it reminds me of when Gru takes the three girls to Funland. And they are at Funland, and Agnes sees the unicorn. Yes, she sees the unicorn, and she is so excited about this unicorn. And they convince Gru to let them play the carnival game so they can win the unicorn. They play, and they lose. And then Gru plays, and he blows the whole thing up, which means he won. And Agnes gets this stuffed unicorn. And then we see her reaction. Like, look at this. She's so excited. She's just yelling so much. And what does she say? It's so fluffy. It's so fluffy. It's so fluffy. Like, you guys, like, when was the last time you yelled like that about how great God is? Right? Like, when was the last time you were in such awe of God? You said, God, you're so good. When was the last time you did that? I know I've done the opposite of that. I'm like, God, why are you so bad? It's usually because I've done something bad. And I'm like, oh, God, oops, that was me. Um, but when was the last time we got that excited about who God is? I don't know where I am in my notes. Okay, here we go. Um, so as we keep reading in verse 12, it says to pay homage to the sun. So to pay homage means to show honor or respect publicly. And when we read the word son, we can infer that that's talking about Jesus, who is the son of God. So this phrase instructs us to publicly honor Jesus. And this is one of the reasons why we worship together. All throughout scripture, it tells us to worship and to honor Jesus. We all sang at the beginning of worship as a way to honor Jesus. So if we go back to our text in verse 12, it says, pay homage to the son or he will be angry and you will perish in your rebellion. For his anger may ignite at any moment. So this is instructing us to honor Jesus. Otherwise, we're going to face the consequences of our rebellion. And rebellion is defined as just resisting authority. Resisting God's authority. So this rebellion is not just a blatant disregard for who God is, although that's included. It can also be passive as well. So we must desire in our hearts 
to be in right standing with Jesus. Otherwise, the consequences of our sin and rebellion will lead us to death. But there's hope. There's hope. This psalm ends with a beautiful reminder of the hope we have. It closes with, all who take refuge in him are happy. All who take refuge in him are happy. And I like how the NIV phrases this. It says, blessed are all who take refuge in him. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. The psalm closes with this reminder that we have a hope in Jesus if we take refuge in him. We will not face the consequences of eternal death, but rather will experience the joy of an everlasting life. So this psalm presents us with this dichotomy. It talks about how we need to have a reverence for who God is, and it talks about what happens when we have a rebellion towards God. So we're going to analyze our lives a little bit and take a look at the characteristics of reverence and symptoms of rebellion. And we're going to go back and forth between the two. We're going to start with a symptom of rebellion. So the first symptom of rebellion is complacent. If you're complacent, you're thinking or believing your relationship with God is good enough. You say things like, I am who I am. I don't need to change. I don't need to do what God is calling me to do. It'll be okay. And you're not desiring to see God transform you into the best possible version of yourself. So our first symptom is complacent. But the characteristic of reverence that is like the opposite of that would be to be passionate. Thinking and believing there is always more of God to discover. You have this fire inside of you to do things God has called you to do. I was going to ask Ethan, but I forgot. So... <laughs> Ethan, I'm going to pick on you for a second. When Ethan worships, he is passionate. When he worships in the front of the room, he's passionate. When he worships in the back of the room, he's passionate. When he plays the guitar, he's passionate. This is a characteristic of reverence in his life. It's a great example of being passionate for Jesus. So I hope that was okay that I called that out. <laughs> Our next symptom is complaining. This might look like doing the right thing with the wrong attitude, just like Keila talked about a few weeks ago. She talked about Jonah and how he eventually made his way to Nineveh, but had a bad attitude the entire time. Keila challenged us to move from complaining to having compassion for the people around us. And compassion is a characteristic of reverence. When we are compassionate, we have sympathy for those around us and we're caring for their needs. So we have complaining versus compassion. And our next symptom of rebellion is maybe one of the ones that hits my heart a little bit. Setting boundaries based on your preferences. Maybe it means saying no to hanging out with your small group leader because you know they're going to ask you about a sin struggle in your life that you don't want to deal with. 
It could also look like saying yes to the most fun option, which is usually where I end up. That's why I was in the field full of mud because that was the most fun option. Like that has been the way I've lived my life. And you end up having this mindset of like, oh, I'm just going to do what's fun right now. And then you don't think about the consequences of that cold hose water that's going to get all that mud off of you, right? Like maybe in your life, this looks like watching a movie and your life begins to pile up. So you end up asking your professor for an extension on your assignment that's due tonight because you decided to take a nap this afternoon and you definitely had time to do it. I, I have done this before, so I'm not just, like, saying things that I haven't done. I have done that. That's an example from my college life of needing an extension when I really didn't need it. I was just not doing what I wanted or what I should have been doing. So the characteristic of reverence that we can see is seeing a need and meeting it. It's not doing what I want when I want based on my need for self-preservation but this doesn't mean that I have a disregard for boundaries in my life. It, it does, however, mean that I'm not going to be tied to those boundaries. Of it's okay for me to do something when maybe I don't want to do it. My friend Caitlin is really good at this. Guys, I really, really didn't do a good job of telling people I was going to talk about them tonight. <laughs> Caitlin does this so well. Caitlin sees the needs of people around her and is constantly doing whatever she can to meet those needs. She's always offering to help with everything all of the time. She is always looking to meet the needs of those around her. And that's a characteristic of reverence in her life, that as she loves Jesus, she loves the people around her well. Our next symptom of rebellion is defensiveness. Defensiveness. When you make a mistake or fall into sin, you justify your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and you become defensive of your actions. But the characteristic of reverence would be owning your mistakes and shortcomings. That when we fall into sin, instead of justifying our thoughts or actions, we need to be honest with ourselves, with others, and God. And we're quick to say, oh, that was me. I'm sorry. You welcome correction from others. You want people to tell you when you've made a mistake so that you can correct your behavior. Our next symptom is unforgiveness. And we won't spend a lot of time talking about this because Aaron talked about this a few weeks ago. But something that she said was that when we walk in unforgiveness, it leads us to bitterness. But if we're walking in forgiveness, we have freedom. So the characteristic of reverence is freely forgiving. That we're free to forgive because we have been freely forgiven. Our last symptom of rebellion is selfishness. That's when we just say, what can I get, of, get out of this? If you are constantly approaching God, small group, Chi Alpha, your friendships, with the thought of what is in it for me, you're probably suffering from selfishness. But the characteristic of reverence 
is selflessness. Being selfless looks like putting others' others' needs above your own. And this doesn't mean we don't take care of ourselves, but it does mean that we think about our actions and how they impact those around us. And we want to love and serve people well. Maybe you find yourself saying, I hold a lot of these symptoms of rebellion. Or maybe there's one area of rebellion that sticks out to you and you've really focused in on that, but you feel pretty good about the rest. We're going to talk about how we can move ourselves from rebellion to reverence. So I have five keys for moving from rebellion to reverence. Five keys for moving from rebellion to reverence. And the first one is spending time in God's presence. Spending time in God's presence. When we spend time in God's presence, he reveals things to us. He will help us transition from rebellion to reverence in our lives. The second key is looking for needs around you. Looking for needs around you. I want to tell you a story about my friend Lauren. This one I did ask permission for. First time. Oh. (laughs) Sorry! (laughs) It's fine. Um, Is it okay if I share, or would you like me not to? Okay. Okay, cool. You sure? Okay. All right. Sorry about that. Um, (laughs) Lauren and I have known each other for a few years, and she has this amazing desire to love people. And if you go to Lauren's small group, I'm sure you know this, that she is an incredible, loving person. And a few weeks ago, Lauren was spending time with Jesus and felt him speak to her. And Jesus was telling her that she has this gift of serving others, but wasn't using it fully. So Lauren began to look for opportunities to serve others. When I was talking to her about this, she said that she was seeing a need in Kyalpha of the teardown team needing help and needing help unloading at the office. And because she had spent time with the Lord and she saw that need, she was going to be willing to meet it whenever she could. So she's committed to helping with that. And I think that's so beautiful that she said, Jesus, like, let Show me what I can do with my life. And it starts with such a small thing, like helping with the setup and teardown team. And she's being obedient to the Holy Spirit, and I think that is absolutely beautiful. So thank you for letting me share that. Um, The third key is seeking wisdom. Seeking wisdom. Look at your life and seek out people who have a walk with Jesus you want. I have a picture of my friend Vicki and Chris and I. Um, We all go to church together. We all um, got our pastoral credentials together this spring. And Vicki is on the right. And Vicki is someone that I want to be like. I love her so much. She is incredible. And Vicki and her husband moved to Alaska and have done ministry throughout the state of Alaska and they're currently missionaries to the homeless in Anchorage. And while they're doing that, they're also working to raise a missionary budget so that they can go and fill empty churches that are in the villages and travel to those churches and help support those communities. 
And Vicki is one of the kindest women that I know. And she has incredible stories of how the Lord has moved in her life and the lives of those around her. So I meet with Vicki on a regular basis. And I seek her wisdom in my life. And I meet with her, and she prays with me, and she cries with me, and we laugh a lot. And I seek wisdom from someone who has loved Jesus so much longer than me. And I get this opportunity to learn from her mistakes and to learn from the things that the Lord has taught her and for her to speak truth into my life. So I want to encourage you guys to seek wisdom in your life, whether that be from your small group leader or someone that you know that has loved Jesus for a really long time. Our next key is immediate obedience. Immediate obedience. When God asks you to do something, be quick to respond to him. Maybe this looks like staying for missions reveal after the service and signing up for a missions trip. Last year, my friend Lyra was at Missions Reveal and heard about a missions trip to Mongolia. And before she left the union, she signed up because she felt like the Lord had really stirred in her heart to go on that missions trip. And she got to go on that missions trip and had an incredible experience. And she was quick to say yes when the Lord asked her to. And our last key is to pour your life out for him. Pour your life out for him. Philippians 2.17 says, But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. And Anna, you can come back up. I'm going to read that verse again. Philippians 2.17, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like, your faithful serv- just like your faithful service is an offering to God, and I want all of you to share that joy. Recently, I felt like the Lord showed me this image, and I was sitting at Jesus' feet, and I had this jar. And I began to pour it out in front of me at Jesus' feet. And this hand came out and grabbed the jar. And that hand kept holding the jar upside down. And as I watched everything be poured out, I began to weep. And I began to ask Jesus, why would you do that? And as I sat there weeping, asking Jesus why he was taking everything, He sat there patiently. And I asked him again, why are you taking everything? But this time, I sat in silence, and he gently replied, oh, I haven't taken anything. And I looked up, and the hand that was holding the jar was a representation of my own rebellion. My rebellion had led me to blame God for pouring out my life. And I believe that there are some of you here tonight that are viewing your relationship with God like that. That you don't want him 
to do things in your life because you just feel like he's taking it from you. But you don't want him to correct you or or to change these areas of your life in which you're walking in rebellion because it seems painful and scary. And I believe that there are some people here that are seeing serving Jesus as this giant obligation. But the reality is, is that it is a blessing. It is a blessing. And we're going to read the end of Psalm 2 again. I'm going to read what it says in the NIV. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. We're going to take a few minutes to reflect. And then as we close with worship, in just a moment, we're going to just really worship Jesus for who he is. But as we go into this time of reflection, I want you guys to to just ponder a couple of questions. And the first one is this. In what way am I living in rebellion? In what way am I living in rebellion? And the second question is, how can I practically surrender and practice reverence in that area of my life? So essentially, how am I living in rebellion and what can I do about it? And as we spend this time reflecting, I just want you guys to allow the Lord to actually speak to you in that that vision that I had, the thing that was holding me back was me. It wasn't Jesus. It wasn't anything else. It was me. And I wasn't making space for him to tell me that. And I want to challenge you guys tonight to make space for him to tell you what areas you're living in rebellion and how you can change that. Because I promise you that you will be blessed. You will experience blessing. All right, we're going to reflect on these questions and we'll worship in a minute, but the Kyleva staff will be in the back to pray with you as you process. Um, Yeah, so come find us. I'm gonna pray for us and we'll reflect. Jesus, I just thank you for who you are, that you are so good to us, that you bless us when we walk in reverence to you, Jesus. And I just pray for the rebellion in our hearts. Would you just correct that tonight? Would you highlight that rebellion to us so that we can just submit it to you and begin to walk in reverence in those areas of our life?